Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Free Podcast. This is episode three. Co-host Mike here, here with host JD. How you doing today? What is up, Mike? I am super excited about the topic we have for you guys today. We're going to be talking about purchasing and onboarding an Airbnb unit. I know a lot of you guys are excited to get into the game, and Mike and I are going to break down exactly how to go start to finish on your Airbnb rental property. So, Mike, the first thing I think we, we need to go over Uh, Just to give them some framework here is the closing timeline. So we'll start this episode with the fact that you don't have your rental yet. Maybe you found the one you want, you're under contract, and we will take you through step-by-step to having your first guest check out with a five-star experience. So Mike, you you went through uh, closing pretty recently. Um, Tell me a little bit about that property. You found the place. What, What was the next step for you? Yeah, so first things first, if you're just your typical average person wanting to get into real estate, your first thing is you have to find an agent, and you really want to find a good agent to help you specifically find a place for the purposes of Airbnb short-term renting. Now, for me, I already was an agent, so I was able to kind of use that and just because I was already looking for some of my clients, um, I you know was in turn looking for myself as well. So when I found a really good deal, I was able to jump on it super quickly and just, just take off of it. So for me, I was able to be already an agent and, and find one myself. But if you're if you're not an agent, you, you're going to need to look for one first. Yeah, having having the right agent definitely helps. Um, in your case, it sounds like if there are any fingers to point, you have, can point it yourself. But it sounds like at the end of the day, you're able to give yourself a good pat on the back there. Uh, a good agent is going to be familiar with the financing process with Airbnb, with the short-term rental market. Uh, a lot of things that we look for for our clients are going to be having the house already furnished. That saves a lot of cash on cash when you look at your investment. Um, but if it's not, we're going to walk you guys through the furnish and design process. So typically it takes you anywhere from 30 days to 45 days to close on a house. Uh, a lot of agents will prompt you not to make any big purchases uh, prior, uh, especially on credit. Uh, there is a caveat to that. So when you're coming up with your furnishing and design um, First, I recommend that you work with an interior designer uh, and you have help ready when you are all set to close because assembling a full house, uh, a full rental is going to be a second job in itself. Uh, I see a lot of people make this mistake and try to do it themselves. I've, I've made that mistake on, on one of my 23 properties earlier on and boy, would I never do that again. Um, it ended up taking me two to three weeks and if I had the right team and right help, um, as our team does now, it, it takes all of maybe three days to get a four-bedroom property uh, online for Airbnb. Yeah, oh, it, it totally sounds like it's, it's such an easy project. Oh, you just go and you, you put some furniture together. You know, you've purchased a table or whatnot for your house before, but when you're doing an entire house top-down um, with all the kitchen stuff, all the bathroom stuff, it, it takes way longer than you intended to, plus you have to get transport if you don't have trucks. You have to get a U-Haul, and you have to return the U-Haul at certain times, and you got to drive it there and pick it up, and you got to wait for the the tons and tons of Amazon packages to pile up in the living room. It, it's way crazier, and it's, it's way more than you think it's going to be. So you definitely need to go with somebody who knows what they're doing and, and furnishes things. And I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have moved in the past. It's sort of like moving, except for you're also now building everything too. Uh, so definitely just sign on some good buddies, offer them a case of beer after they're done helping you. Um, try to pay your friends a little bit and, and make this process a little smoother on yourself. So to get back to the financing piece, right? Uh, if you're going to purchase bigger items for the house, if they're not already included with the sale, 
such as a, a couch, uh, a nice dining table, some things that, that may not come from the supplier immediately. I know Amazon makes our life incredibly easy nowadays. But those bigger items, you're going to want to pre-order before close. That way they get there uh, right around your closing date, and you're going to be able to get it right in the house, and you'll be ready to go in online sooner than later. Every week that you miss out on after closing that you're not up online, you're literally losing revenue. The bank doesn't care. They're not going to push your mortgage back because you didn't get the house assembled as, as fast as you wanted to. So it's, it's super important to finish in that three to five day window after closing on your house as opposed to the three to five week window. Uh, and Mike's gone through this process himself. He's done his own interior design. He's done the assembly. And Mike's house is up pretty quick. Uh, we've seen him go through that process really smoothly. Mike, why don't you talk about some of the smaller items that you think maybe you almost forgot to include, but but caught at the end because you're a little bit more seasoned. Oh, uh, some some of the you know the, the quick simple things like like bath mats, so that doesn't get too wet. Um, floor mats, um, other things like making sure you have enough towels or extra blankets or extra linens for the beds because you don't just want to get enough to put in the beds. You want you want extras. Um, because some guests like to come in, and, and even though you have cleaners that come in, they'll, they'll, they, they'll strip the whole bed themselves and, and redo it all um, just to ensure that it is super clean, even though it is anyway. Um, but guests are always asking for extra throw pillows or throw throw blankets or extra towels all the time. They're asking for things like that. Um, making sure you have extra stock-ups of dish soap, um, laundry detergent, um, any sort of things like that. Um, all that stuff, you, you always buy way less than you, than you think you need, and then you need way more after that, or even just like like paper towels or things like that. Yeah, I, especially the consumables. And there, there's a laundry list of things that you guys are going to need. And if you need help, we have an entire checklist of things that you'll need to have your Airbnb ready. Um, you can email us at info at Liberty City Living, uh, which is also our website, libertycityliving.com, and we can get you that checklist. There's almost 100 items that you'll need. And Mike made an awesome point in that there's a lot of things you're going to need multiple of. Anything that's going to change at a turnover, so sheet sets, towels, uh, little things that guests might take more often, wine openers that go missing, silverware goes missing, you want to order at least three of those. That way your cleaners are never frantically looking for them. The check-in doesn't depend on those things still being there or being clean, and you always are able to make that turn in the one to two hours that sometimes your cleaners are trying to work in to, to get this turnover for a same-day check-in. And it would totally be terrible if you get a terrible review just because you didn't have that wine opener or you didn't have enough cups or some simple little things. That it'd, be, it'd be terrible just to get a bad review for, for that. Yeah, exactly. If, if there's no toilet paper in your house because you didn't stock up in time, uh, you're leaving your guests up Shit's Creek without a paddle, literally. So... Mike, when you were going through the furnish and design process, what did that look like in terms of where you were sourcing most of your inventory? Because I know there's a million different places to get things out there. Um, things like Amazon, um, you know, you go on there and you get most of your little stuff out of the way, all the kitchen stuff and things like that. Um, but there's also a little store we have called Big Lots. Um, that's where I got my tremendous couch. And I say that because I've gotten two reviews now on how good this couch was. One of my best purchases ever. Um, there are little stores, Ollie's, go in there, get some cheap stuff, good stuff cheap, that's what they say. Um, just, you know, bounce bounce around a bunch of different places, get some stuff here, some stuff there, and you kind of just track it all and figure out how much it all costs in the end. Yeah, and it, it's smart to diversify and go to a couple different places. Uh, it's typically easiest to get most things on Amazon just because of the, the delivery time and knowing that you're going to get all of your packages at one time. That helps a ton. 
Uh, but for signature pieces, like you said, you got that couch and are getting a lot of amazing reviews. If you want an amazing couch, you're going to have to look in a couple different places. I typically use sofamania.com, uh, but there's a ton of different websites out there that you can get really interesting furniture for, for cheap. A lot of times when I'm looking for design ideas, I look at other listings that look sick. I look at Pinterest. And it's super important in how heavily the short-term rental industry is getting saturated that you get the right pieces and are super attractive to anyone looking to book your house. So I can't speak enough praise to getting the right furniture, even if it costs a little bit more money. I had a duplex that I was furnishing, and the total bill after all of the help I needed to get the house up and running, after all of the, the furniture itself, was almost $38,000 for just a duplex, uh, which may sound crazy to some of you guys, and it was a six bedroom place, but we put a movie theater room in, we had movie theater chairs, uh, we have hanging chairs in the living room on top of 385 inch TVs. It's just the craziest Airbnb in Philadelphia for that, that size group, and you will return on your investment much faster that way because it, it's so beneficial to constantly be booked versus be scrambling and at a much lower occupancy rate because there's so much competition in your market. So spend a little bit more on the furniture and increase your occupancy that way. Make sure you're sourcing items from all over the place. Uh, another thing I like to do is get epoxy tables. Um, those things, they hit. Uh, Mike's seen me put them in a couple different places. We have one at the penthouse in Hawaii, and it's one of the first things people point out. Uh, and a lot of times you don't have to spend $10,000 for a table you just have to look at five different suppliers and get the one that's $1,000 compared to the one that they're charging $10,000 for. So that really helps. I'll let Mike speak to the, the ROI on a good photographer. Yeah, so one of the best and first things people look at when they're looking for Airbnbs online, or you can even look at yourself. When you're going and you're looking on, online on Airbnb or VRBO to go look at a place, you're going to look at the one that has, A, the best photos and the nicest photos. So... It's, it's one thing to get really nice furniture and have your design be super nice, but it's another thing to have good photos. Like there's a, there's a tons of times where I'm going to go on there and I'm going to try to stay somewhere myself and the photos are just horrible and you, you're not going to stay there simply because the photos look bad. A, a good photographer and good photos can completely change how much ROI and how much money you can make on your listings alone. And it, it's not really that much to get a good photographer. It's anywhere from $175 to $200, and you get 30, 40 photos, get them back to you in a day or two, and they're professionals. They know what they're doing, and they're going to give you a good product that you can sell super, super well and way better. You make way more money. It's 100% worth it. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt a good photographer is going to give you that return on investment. And I don't care if you've taken 10,000 pictures for your Instagram. You are still not a professional photographer, and you're still going to need to get someone in there and, and give you some help. You spend the extra $200, and it's going to return your money back within the first week. And it, that goes the same for your furniture. Uh, the photographer, they, some of these guys can be magicians, but at the same time, if you're putting in every single product from Ikea, and you furnish that, that place for $3,000 versus the $8,000 that would do it justice, the photographer can only do so much. Now, let's, let's pivot back to that timeline, right? So... You purchased a house, you have a couple weeks until closing. Mike, when did you start ordering all of the stuff for your place? You typically want to order, especially the big stuffs, um, about a week or two weeks out. Um, a lot of times Amazon will tell you a date, and, and sometimes it'll even be a few extra days. 
but you typically want to order a week or two out, especially the bigger stuff, sometimes even three weeks. You kind of just look what their estimate is and add 20% extra time on there just because you know that shipping does sometimes take a little bit extra time. Yeah, and that all goes back to adding more revenue in by being done quicker. So you're at the point where you have everything ordered, you're set to close, the house closes, you're all set up, you sent your cleaners in, you did your final touch-ups, the, the photographs come back, they look awesome. Uh, just before this point, I'd say in between the time you're waiting for the photos to come back and you list the place, that's when you should be building your listing. You know exactly what that place looks like, you've been in there, you're ready to make a description on why your place is better. So when you're creating a listing, there's a lot of things you want to focus on uh, to make sure that you stand out. A lot of markets, you're not the only one in the market. So when you look at other listings, you'll see what a lot of people are focusing on or not focusing on. You should definitely focus on what makes your house different. What did you put in there that other people don't have? What are you close to that maybe some other rentals aren't close to in the area? Or a lot of people don't even describe the area and the location that they're in. They just assume that people from out of town are going to know that that's an awesome area. But it's so important to fill out the neighborhood section of your, your listing so that people know what they're around and will book it. That's a that's a huge mistake people make all the time, not putting in the casinos that are nearby, not putting in the water parks that are nearby, not putting in the ski resorts, not putting in the parks, not putting in the libraries, not putting in all these different things that people might not even know. Like 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 you said, from out of town, they don't know what's around. But if they see that in your listing, they go, Oh, I'm I'm five minutes from the casino. That's that's a huge thing for me. I'm trying to go on vacation. I'd I'd love to hit the casino and, you know, try my luck a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And People just assume that, that that everyone visiting is going to know that, but that's not the case. And that's that's why we really focus on B neighborhoods in urban markets because we know that they're going to be relatively safe. We know that people are going to have a good experience when they're there. And if you can describe it the right way, just put how many minutes the walk is to your local coffee shop. That'll make such a difference in, in people booking. How, how far exactly is it from a lot of the local concert venues? In Philadelphia, we have three main concert venues and all the sports stadiums in one spot. We put exactly 12 minutes from those locations. How far are you from the airport? How far are you from Center City, the convention center? Make sure all of those descriptors are there so that they know exactly what to expect when they come in. Same with parking. How is the parking? If your parking's not great, tell them that so that they know. If your parking is phenomenal and you have parking, you better tell them that because a lot of different websites when you go to for pricing will show you exactly what amenities people are looking for and what people are booking for. If it says that there's 90% occupancy when you have parking, you better highlight that you have parking. And I'll let Mike speak a little bit more to how all of these different descriptors can affect the pricing. What other things do you think they look for, Mike? Tons of times, people are going to look for all sorts of different things. They're going to look for, like I said, the casinos or the airports and things like that. If, if you're coming in, you're going to stay for two days. You don't want to be driving a half hour plus to an hour away just to go to your place from the airport. You're going to want to go somewhere real close, and that's going to totally change your pricing. If you're near these sports arenas, especially when, you know, big games are coming in. I know in Philly, I think it was, what, 2026, 2025, they have the Stanley Cup coming in. Um, FIFA World Cup, Mike. FIFA, FIFA World, World Cup. Cup. Almost. I almost had it there. But things like that, that's going to completely drastically change your pricing um, on those weekends or those weekdays or, or, I mean, other things like that, like any sports or any, any crazy thing, parades coming in. Um, that's going to drastically change your price. Yeah, uh, events are definitely going to change the prices as well. Now, going back to some of the furnishing piece, 
there's a couple key items that you want to spend up on. Uh, I know I already spoke to the couch in the, in the, the living areas. I know I spoke to the dining table. Uh, one place you don't want to skimp out on is mattresses. And I'm not saying you have to spend a whole lot, but I see so many people make the mistake of getting 8-inch mattresses uh, as opposed to, to 12 inches. Or when they go to get bed frames, they get the shorter ones because they're a little bit cheaper. You should get something that's going to make people comfortable. Yes, you may spend an extra $200 on a mattress, but your reviews are going to be way higher. And it goes the same with the couch. Don't get the couch for $400 at the local BJ's or Sam's Club just because it was only $400. Spend $800, $1,000, $1,200 on a couch that people are going to rave about. And that's going to look good in the photos. So there's those are a couple key areas you don't want to skip out on. Now, Mike hit a lot of the, the pricing details when he, he spoke to the events and having to price for weekends and, and other things in your pricing. You should have your pricing model built out and have your, your calendar for the year ready. Uh, and if you don't know this stuff, talk to the agent that helped you out. Talk to some local short-term rental companies um, or have a management company take over and do the pricing for you because pricing your listing right will earn you double what you would have if you just kind of just set every day uh, on free fall. Now, if you have your pricing model set, you have your listing set, you've already gone through all the description, I mean, really, you want to make your couch and your beds sound like way more than what they are. If you think that the person you're buying it from embellish on how cool that mattress was, you need to embellish a little bit harder. So when I buy a 12-inch mattress, I make sure that that listing says it's an ultra-thick, plush, pillow top mattress that you're going to sleep on like a cloud. I don't say, yeah, the bedroom has a mattress. Some people don't even mention that. Uh, and you want to go back to, to grade school, the fifth grade, when you were writing haikus and poetry and giving them to your uh, recess sweetheart and make sure that you're as descriptive and out of this world as possible with your listing copy so that people can imagine what it's like to stay there. And you'll see that in a lot of the professionally done listings. They, they color coordinate everything. They really go into detail on every detail and nook and cranny of the house. Yes, it can be annoying to read through. Uh, that's why you got to be a little picky and choosy with how many words you use. But at the same time, guests will have a better idea of what they're staying in, and you will get booked more. Now, you have all the pricing done. You're furnished. You're online. The photos are back. There's one last thing that you guys have to go through and look at before you get started, and that's going to be permitting. Mike, can you speak a little bit about the Poconos and what that process was like for you? Yeah, so we also talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but the Poconos is, is super crazy and different because each individual HOA, each community is, is all sort of different. So for me in my community, it was I had to have the HOA come in and do an inspection and then do their whole thing, make sure it's it's good, and they can you know they they limit how many cars are gonna have in the driveway, they limit how loud it can be, so we have to do things like put in noise aware monitors um, to make sure the guests aren't getting too rowdy, and then if they are, we'll have to send somebody over there and just you know tell them to quiet down a little bit. Um, they limit how much trash I can create, they limit and basically anything they can limit, they limit, um, and they they come and do a check and make sure everything's all good for that. And then as well as that, I have the township on top of that that'll also have to come and do their inspection. And they're a little less thorough. They don't really care as much as the, the HOA does just because they're not as, you know, involved in it. Um, but, yeah, there's and, – and this, is, this isn't just strictly my community or, or my township. All the townships have their own rules and regulations, and, and they're all sort of different. So they all do their own things. Um, but you definitely have to check to make sure, A, that you're allowed, 
and then B, what kind of things and hoops really you have to jump through to, to get it all ready and good? Yeah, the, the permitting process can be a little intimidating at first, but Mike went through it, you guys can go through it, we'll get there. So you've gone through, you've furnished, you've gotten your photographs done, you've sent the cleaners in, photos are back, listing is up, you, you're poetic with the writing, you're there, you've checked all the pricing tools, you've done your AirDNA research, you've been through Price Labs market dashboards, and now you are live at the price you need. That first couple weeks is pivotal in getting five-star reviews because that will put you at the top of the search optimization. Mike, what are some things you do for your guests that, that make sure they have a five-star experience? Oh, definitely some of the extra mile value-adding things are things like gift cards. Any local coffee shops or anything nearby, maybe it's a water park, maybe it's a, a little gift card at the casino, things like that. The guests love it. They rave about it. They write you five-star reviews, and they'll put it in there, and people love it. Things like putting, I don't know, maybe a bottle of wine, maybe a six, six to $12 bottle of wine. It's not going to break your bank put it in there, they're going to rave about it every single time. Uh, maybe a little bit of chocolate, maybe a little bit of extra, I don't know, linens, things like that. People love all of these things, and they're super cheap and easy to do. Yeah, and a lot of times when I'm thinking of add-ons, like Mike mentioned, I'm thinking, what would I like to have here if I was staying here? Like, if I was staying here with the homies or with my girlfriend, what would I want to be here without me having to ask or go out to the store to get it? Uh, and you nailed it, Mike, just having a bottle of wine with two glasses laid out, uh, anything like a little card for the guests, uh, anything that really makes them feel welcome, that's, that's going to drive your reviews up and drive your optimization up in the search when people are going to book. That's a huge factor in this game. So any other onboarding tips you have for everyone out there, Mike? Uh, electronic locks for the front door and the back door. This is huge because there, there's we used to deal with a little bit of problems where sometimes people would lock themselves out, they'd lose the key, they'd leave it inside, they'd lock themselves out. With electronic keys, or sorry, locks, this doesn't happen. They type in a little code and they get in and then it even locks itself behind them. So they're worry-free that they didn't leave the door unlocked when they leave and they can get in, get out super easy. And you can even have notifications when they finally lock it for the last time and they leave, so you can let your cleaners know they're finally gone, they've left, so they can go in a little early so you can be ready for the next reservation. Quick things like that to make it super, super easy. Um, you can even do things like uh, mid-stay cleans you can offer to the guests for an extra fee. Um, sometimes if they're staying there for like a month, two months, um, it'd be not, they, I'm sure they'd really appreciate, you know, even if they have to spend an extra hundred bucks, um, a cleaner go in, clean up for them, leave, and then, and then clean again once they finally leave. Um, something else, you can also, I mean, more money opportunities for you would be things like, let's say they are going to the Poconos, they're staying right in the lake. If you have an extra kayak or a jet ski or a boat or something like that to offer to them, I don't know, price it out a little bit, 20 bucks a day or something like that, 10 bucks a day or maybe 100 bucks to stay. Um, maybe you have an extra scooter, an extra bike, and, and little things like that. Whatever you have that, that you don't even really use that much, offer to them and extra money for you. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a bunch of ways you can capitalize on just add-ons and, and extra things that you can help your guests have a much better experience, uh, and you can provide that to them. I've connected with a company recently called Mount Rental, and what Mount will do is they will provide different value-add services for your guests, um, take charge of all the logistics, and end up giving your guests a much better experience. So I'll give you an example. At our 43-unit resort that we have upcoming, we're going to be offering firewood packages, meat packages, 
all types of different packages around the campfire that guests can have. Obviously, you can charge extra for this because this is something that's costing you every time they take advantage of it, and then you just mark it up so you can create some additional revenue. We're also looking into getting a, a fleet of e-bikes at the property so that everyone can go out and use these e-bikes and ride around the neighborhoods. These neighborhoods are beautiful, and just by charging them a little bit every day to use the e-bikes, they're going to have a much better experience, and they're not going to mind spending an extra $10, $15 a day to use the bike uh, if that's what they're choosing to do that day. So there's a lot of different ways you can add value. Uh, going back to the, the locks, I recommend Slosh. It's a great brand for keyless locks. At the end of the day, even locks can go bad. The batteries might run out. The There might be a malfunction in the product. You want to make sure you keep a, a lockbox with a spare key on the property. That way, if all else fails, everyone can still get into the property. Now, you're not giving this lockbox out to guests. You're just having use, them use the keyless entry. That way, no one's taking the keys home and having to mail it back to you. But having the lockbox is the ultimate fail-safe on top of everything else. I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about in this episode, Mike. Do you have anything you want to shout out? Uh, one quick thing. Uh, make sure that Wi-Fi is, is installed properly and good. There's, there's a huge thing people went... Anywhere anybody goes, you want to make sure you have good Wi-Fi. Because if you don't, you're going to hear about it and you're going to get a bad review just solely because of that. So make sure it's good Wi-Fi, easy to connect to, and that's, that's really it. Awesome. Um, to give you guys a final little checklist of some services that we've used that have helped us in the past with onboarding, uh, Price Labs we go to for pricing, we Mount Rentals, great for those additional add-ons, uh, LabCrate's design is awesome for interior design and furnishing. They are nationwide. You can check out their website. They can provide you some excellent help uh, at pretty good rates. And I think that's about it as far as onboarding. So thank you guys for tuning in, and make sure you live free out there. This is JD signing out. Mikey signing out. Live free.